tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boostbytaxday to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Hello, good morning. Welcome to Join News Desk. We're coming to you live from our studios in Kokomlimli. Coming up this morning, NPP Majority Leader Seche Mensa Bonzo resigns amid speculations of plot. Deputy Afenyo Marking to assume NPP caucus leadership. We have more as Executive Director of the Africa Center for Parliamentary Affairs says he was pushed out. I think uh, from the series of events and all our discussion uh, right from Monday to this point, I think he was pushed. Ghana's parliament is set to pass the controversial anti-LGBTQ bill after nearly three years of the bill being laid in the House. Plus, the latest data from the 2023 annual household income and expenditure reveals 14.7% of people aged between 15 and 35 were unemployed in the third quarter of 2023. And in the second part of Joy News's feature, focusing on the struggles of the National Health Insurance Scheme, we turn our attention to the Comfortable Teaching Hospital, where the underfunded scheme has left many patients stranded at the hospital premises. My name is Aisha Ibrahim. We'll bring you more in Joy News Desk. Many thanks for choosing us. Long-standing Majority Leader of Parliament, Oseche Mensa Bonsu, has tendered his re- resignation amidst controversy, allegations of internal strife, and an alleged plot to oust him from his leadership position swelled for days, leading to his decision to step down. All eyes turned towards Alexander Fenyomaki, his deputy, to lead the NPP caucus in the House. Parliamentary Affairs correspondent Kwekwa Sante has been explaining what really happened. In this meeting, um, the conversation about a change of leadership came up, and Osei Mensa Bonso told the president in the meeting in, in the front of all 137 of his colleagues that he thought that it is time to make way for some fresh energy to come in. That is exactly what this source is telling me. And a member of parliament who was in this meeting telling me that Osei Mensa Bonso says he's worried of some of the issues that have come up so far, mm. the kind of rancor debate that have come up around this, this, this potential change in leadership, mm. and that he believes that he has to step aside to make way so that these things do not degenerate into anything. And so ordinarily, this was a meeting that was expected to last a little bit long in terms of the issues that were coming up. This was a meeting that was supposed to last long, but this meeting just lasted a few minutes because the key issue that was expected to be discussed was to say Chairman Sabonso, and this is a man that was clearly now telling the president that I'm willing to go so that the party can now select someone else for, for this to happen. And so congratulations, Mercedes, indeed have started flying in now. And so the party is expected to work on something this very evening. And then as soon as starting um, a, a sitting starts tomorrow, they can go in there with a communication to the Speaker of Parliament to announce to the public that the majority leader, say, Chairman Sabo, so as we know, has resigned. And so the party has now nominated a new person to take over in his stead. It means 
the proposals that were expected to be discussed at the National Council and the National Executive Committee meeting um, this Monday will now come into fruition. We expect that the majority leader will now be Afenyo Markin, his deputy will be his chief whip, um, um, Frank Anadompre, Habib Idriso will rise up to become the chief whip, then uh, the member of parliament for Asuka, Patricia PJ, will become the first deputy whip, and then Alex Sete will follow in as the second deputy whip. So these changes we know now has been confirmed because of the majority leader's announcement to the president in this meeting today that he has decided that he has stepped out. And Evans, in a minute just gone by, the Baumia campaign has now just released the new picture, the, the, the statement from the Baumia campaign signed by Miracles, Denis Abouadji, announcing the, 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 the formation of the manifesto committee to be chaired by Osei Chairman Sabonso, his deputy will be Kojo Kronkroma, and a number of other people. And this was some of the assignments he had been penciled down. Executive Director of the African Centre for Parliamentary Affairs, Dr. Rashid Rahman, says Osechi Mensa Bonsu was pushed out of his seat as majority leader, adding if, even if the party agreed that it needed fresh faces at the leadership front, it could have adopted a better approach. We all saw this coming. And, uh, you know, the question is, was he pushed or did he jump? And, and I think... Uh, from the series of events and all our discussion uh, right from Monday to this point, I think he was pushed. And uh, and <laughs> I don't know whether this is the best way to encourage all of us to dedicate ourselves to public service. Um, true, the party, you know, has every right to decide, you know, first of all, who represents them uh, in an election and then eventually who represents them in parliament and, uh, and so on and so forth. But I think we all have a stake in the governance of this country and more so members of parliament, particularly people like uh, the leader who has devoted so many years, I mean, the longest seven, current longest seven member of parliament and so on. Uh, I don't know whether the end should be a push. Uh, so for me, I think this this is a little bit disturbing for me. Mm. Those who make the argument that, you know, manifesto committee, he needs uh, to have a time and so on, uh, how about the others who are with him, who are ministers and members of parliament at the same time? Uh, and then on other committees, we see so many ministers, members of parliament. So really, uh, we are just seeing a replay of uh, maybe the situation that we saw with the NDC. And uh, the honorable leader has joined his friend, Ray Grisu, uh, it may be suffering the same fate in the hands of the uh, political parties. Dr. Rashid Draman is the executive director of the Africa Center for Parliamentary Affairs. I've been joined by Professor John Osai Kwapong, who is a governance expert and a CDD fellow in governance. Grateful for your time, Prof. Let me gauge your mood on what has happened. Osai Chemensa has been here for quite some time now. In fact, many, including the president, have acknowledged his good work in parliament over the period. Why would any party want to change leader? of a winning team. Do you know? 
good morning and uh, thank you. So, I don't. Um, whatever occasioned uh, this change, I think the only people, uh, the, the, the people who actually um, sort of made the decision or were part of the process that led to this change are the only ones who can really um, explain and provide the rationale and the basis for this change. Uh, I think it was maybe late last week or earlier on this week, though, there had been speculation in, you know, in the public spaces that such a change was coming. Um, but then, if I recall, uh, there was a press conference held by um, uh, the majority caucus that sort of pushed back and categorically said, no changes were imminent um, in the leadership, etc., etc. So then, at least for someone like me, that allayed um, sort of some of those speculations and the concerns that, well, why would this be done at this, uh, you know, uh, in, you know, in the life of the parliament that is present, particularly in a term for him that he's not returning to parliament. So 24 hours later, to read the news that that speculation was actually had to be truth to it. Um, was quite both surprising. The turnaround too was a bit uh, curious, but I don't know um, why that would happen at this time. I know that um, part of the, or at least part of what we're hearing is because of his work as chair of the manifesto committee for 2024, but I don't see how one cannot still be majority leader um, and still play, uh, play that role because I'm sure there are others who will be playing other substantive roles uh, in the lead-up to the 2016 election for the party, but are still holding whatever positions that they are holding uh, in the party. For, for instance, his, his deputy, who is supposed to be uh, uh, deputy chair of the manifesto committee, Opon Kroma, uh, who is not a substantive minister, so definitely... Uh, I mean, that corroborates your points. Uh, precisely, precisely. That if others can hold, you know, um, positions of substance uh, in government, whether legislatively or whether in the executive branch, but still be able to do party work as they prepare for the 2024 election, then makes it, you know, a little odd that that would be the reason why uh, he can no, he no longer serve as majority leader. I mean, he's really been the face of the party in parliament, whether they've been in the majority or whether they've been in the minority. He's really been a household name in parliament, um, for not even just for the party, but parliament as an institution. So it's, it's quite interesting, and maybe someday um, uh, we would get the full story of what occasioned the change. Uh, and many say he was pushed to resign and, I mean, did not do so willingly. I mean, yes, there, there are some who feel it's, it's about time the party made amendment and put fresh faces at the front line for the majority. Question many ask, if that is the case, why change only Oseche Mensa Bunso and leave his deputies, chief whips, and the rest? In fact, his deputy is supposed to take over from him. Remember, when the NDC felt you know, the need to do so, they did a total overhaul of right. the leadership. Yes, and the other thing to um, uh, again, I don't know the back story and the inside story, but Honorable Chairman Sabunsu, at least from what we've seen in our public spaces, 
has been a strong advocate for the party, uh, for the president's agenda in, uh, in parliament, you know, even on some of the really tough controversial issues like the, you know, like the e-levy, the passage of, I think it was the either 2021 or 2022 budget and all of that commotion, he's really been at the forefront of ensuring that the party's agenda gets through a very difficult parliament that is easily divided. And so I'm not sure why then, you know, what would be the basis for him putting could be pushed out. Unless there's something else internally that those of us, you know, outside of the party are not privy to. Um, and then you can say maybe perhaps there was some major disagreement, etc., etc., that occasion that. But from everything that he's done, I haven't seen him being, at least publicly, being antagonistic to the party's interests and the party's agenda in Parliament. So it's, it's a bit baffling, but um, like I said, probably there is, you know, um, more to why this change has happened. And just like you rightly said, if you need new faces for the party leadership in parliament, why just the majority leader? And why now? The life of this parliament is almost over. You can wait um, and you know, uh, inject new life and new faces you know, in, the, in the next parliament. So how positively or negatively will this impact the NPP in terms of their work in parliament, considering the vast experience of Sir Chairman Sabonzo brings to bear? Um, I don't think it would impact the work uh, negatively, at least from what um, I've picked up from him. I don't think he would put the party's interest at risk. At the same time, in the next couple of months, I, I'm not sure there is going to be any major pieces of legislation that would have to make its way through um, Parliament that may, you know, uh, that can be torpedoed because you don't have the backing or otherwise of the honorable chairman's approval. But in terms of its work in parliament, the, you know, it's a, you know, the party's agenda, um, I don't think this is going to uh, impact it negatively. I, honorable chairman's it doesn't strike me as a person who would deliberately undermine the party's agenda you know, in parliament because he's no longer majority. I, I don't envision him doing that. This has a tendency of uh, actually dividing the uh, caucus, uh, if you like, uh, because following this conversation, we're told that this issue was first brought to NEC meeting by some members of the uh, NEC, uh, members of uh, the NPP caucus. But of course, if you heard the first deputy speaker, he definitely is not in for this. There are some who agree with the first deputy speaker. There are issues of the party... Uh, that has uh, influence on the leadership of the party, which the NPP caucus say, no, we don't want the party to choose our leadership for us. We want to do it ourselves. So certainly, this is going to create some kind of division. Again, when the NDC did this, in fact, they did it while the uh, parliament was on recess. That mm -hmm. kind of offered them some time to actually mend some of these uh, right. gaps. I mean, how is all of this going to uh, pan in Parliament uh, from where you sit? I, I, you know, you, you, you raise a very good point, which is the point about unity. Uh, and particularly in an election year, the, 
you can't afford not to have quote unquote a united um, party going into the election, you know, and and so for me the decision has been made. So that cannot be undone. I think the biggest challenge is how you manage the post decision uh, issues that may arise. Um, and for me this is where leadership also comes into play, you know, how you moving whatever, you know, differences that may arise, whatever post decision grievances that uh, that may come up. Because again, um, as I said, I'm not sure what major issues will be coming through Parliament the next nine, ten months, but you don't want any issues that may come up not to have a United Party behind behind it because there are so lingering grievances over this issue. So I think for me this is where the both the new leadership in Parliament, well, the new majority leader at the caucus, uh, how they treat the honourable chairman someone who post this decision, and then how those outside of the um, uh, the leadership outside of Parliament, the party leadership itself, and other key figures in the party, how they you know maintain a cordial, respectful relationship with him. I think all of those things would help to ensure that this doesn't sort of drag on beyond uh, any reasonable amount of time because the the focus is needed to, you know on not just parliamentary work but also the important work of doing the party manifesto and getting it done and ensuring that the party is behind whatever vision that would be uh, projected in the manifesto. All right, we'll see. We'll see how this uh, goes and we'll see how that will uh, impact positively or negatively on the party for taking such critical decision. I'm grateful for your time, Dr. John Osai. My pleasure. Of course, the election headquarters will be monitoring everything and bring to you our viewers. Meanwhile, Speaker of Parliament, Alban Bagbin, has ruled that the caucuses in Parliament have no right by themselves to change their leadership and that it is the mother party which has to lead the process. As rumors swell of the potential removal of Sir Chairman Sabunsa's majority leader to be replaced by Afenyo Makin, First Deputy Speaker John uh, Joseph Oseusu, another MPP MPs who disagree with the decision said the party cannot change their leadership but interpreting the standing orders in this matter speaker of parliament insisted the view is wrong and the party is in charge i have heard i have listened and i knew that the parties are having problem with this new definition of the leaders that is only where this confusion is coming from the old order referred to party or parties but this new one is not referring to a party but caucuses the old order defined the majority leader to mean a member of parliament designated by the party or parties holding majority of the seats in the house as their recognized leader in the house. Now this new order says majority lab means a member of parliament designated by the majority caucus as their leader in the house. Designate means appoint. 
Now, the same standing orders talks about the majority caucus and says majority caucus means the members of the party or parties that have the largest number of seats in the house. I really don't see the difference. But first, Deputy Speaker Jose also disagrees. I thought it was just a matter that was uh, said in jest. But you appear to have taken a position and offering a beautiful interpretation of yours. Very welcome, very beautiful. Mr. Speaker, it would appear to me that in interpreting, in interpreting the parliamentary portion, we haven't taken a look at the various wings of the other parties. If you take my party, the MPP, for example, we have what we call the women's wing, the youth wing. When it comes to selecting leaders of the youth wing, the party says, the youth, you go and decide. And they select their leaders. When it comes to the women's wing, they say, women, you go and decide. And they select their leaders. So I am not aware of any parliament where anybody outside parliament select leaders for the parliament. I think in interpreting the standing orders and the constitution, this group, the parliamentary group, must be recognized as a wing of the party which can and must take decisions regarding its leadership. It doesn't mean that the party has no role. The wing, the parliamentary wing, is a wing of the party. And in deciding who will lead them, I think it should be left to the party, the parliamentary wing of the party. Let's stick with Parliament because the House is set to pass a controversial anti-LGBTQ bill after nearly three years of the bill being laid in the House. This was after Deputy Majority Leader Alexander Fenyomarkin withdrew all amendments proposed. The bill was sponsored by eight private MPs led by Ningo Pampam MP Sam George. The bill was expected to be passed last week but was blocked by the Deputy Majority Leader who proposed several new amendments. When the House started the second consideration of the bill on Wednesday, Afeno Markin, who had proposed those amendments, was nowhere to be found. The minority and the speaker interpreted this as an effort to frustrate the passage. Truly, he was interested in moving these amendments. It was advertised that it would be taken yesterday and today. And we all agreed that yesterday that this was going to be done today. Because yesterday, we were making effort to get it done. So if it's absent and we use that as an excuse that because it's not around we should leave it then the speaker we are rather facilitating the frustration that are being made to frustrate the passage of this bill there is an attempt by some group of people to to forestall or prevent the bill being passed and we see it as a sabotage and see it as an intention an intention uh, attitude. Mr. Speaker, this morning we agreed that we were going to meet with one of the sponsors of the amendment, Honorable Deputy Majority Leader. If the person is not there to move the motion, that is it. 
it's lost and we move on listen to majority leader who came later with a new proposal permit me to brief you on an intervening action uh, by me yesterday i did indicate on the floor that i intend to engage the sponsors for us to get deeper into some consensus on the amendments I proposed largely on non-custodial sentence for aspects of the bill. Suffice to state that in principle I am with them on the objects of the bill and materially major part of the bill we are adding them on safe. Mr. Speaker, I have accordingly followed up engage the minority leader because yesterday the minority front bench indicated that any such engagement with the sponsors must first start with the leave of the leadership which I felt it was right. I did indicate to him that I would write formally to him to inform him of the steps I intend taking. I also spoke to the minority chief whip and few of the sponsors. Mr. Speaker, um, I have since delivered the letter to the minority leader's office and I brought in a copy, which copy is with him now. I have also uh, delivered to your good office the original of uh, communication to you indicating the steps I believe if we take as a house, we'll be able to deal with these minor parts of the bill. Again, Mr. Speaker, the Attorney General is also his receipt of my letter. And basically, I have indicated that it would be proper for him to sit with us, especially as the non-custodial sentencing regime be introduced by them is founded in my amendment is better we have a fuller perspective the speaker i need emphasize respectfully that no attempt whatsoever is being made by me to stall this all important bill by way of emphasis i have proposed in the letter that the two flag bearers for the 2024 elections be engaged by the sponsors and my good The speaker then gave his ruling. You are taking advantage of my grace by abusing the practice and procedure of this house. There must always be a rule to go by. We are not at the referral of the bill to a committee for consideration. We passed that. We done the second reading, gone through all the principles and policies. We done the consideration stage. Now you called on the House to do second consideration stage on some clauses of the bill. We 
we now cannot go back to stakeholder engagements and all those things. There is no such rule in our practice. So you are completely out of order. Please, actions speak louder than words. Take note of that. Actions speak louder than words. It's not a matter of just getting out and saying, I'm not opposed to the bill. I'm complete support of the bill. Meanwhile, your actions are speaking differently from the words you are using. Please, this house must continue to consider and do what it is authorized to do. After that, anybody else can decide on what to do. I can no longer extend this grace for a delay in the processing of this bill. We must move on. Clause 6. Away from Parliament to some health issues, in the second part of Joy News' feature, focusing on the struggles of the National Health Insurance Scheme, we turn our attention to the Confanochi Teaching Hospital, where the underfunded scheme has left many patients stranded at the hospital premises. The scheme has over the years served as a good intervention, but there have been instances where NHIA subscribers purchase medicine that should be covered under the scheme. My colleague Clinton Yaboa has today's feature. We have also extended NHIS coverage. This is the Vice President, Dr. Mohamed Ubaumia, confirming over 61% increase in NHIS registration numbers since 2017. But do these numbers mean anything at all, especially with the level of quality of services being provided in various hospitals across the country? Outside of the imposing gates of the accident and emergency units of the Konfuanochi Teaching Hospital, and the waiting room of the KNUST hospital, a restless crowd gather with their faces imprinted with worry and desperation. These are not just visitors earnestly waiting for good news concerning their sick relatives, but patients and family members perturbed with medical bills they cannot foot. Gifty Boache almost shared a tear talking about her sick mother. She has spent days at the hospital, banking hopes on the National Health Insurance Scheme, which she describes as still. The scheme has become stale. Now, if you do not have money, you won't receive quality health care. Why? We have to pay for almost all the services received. There have been several complaints about the quality of NHIS service provided by some health facilities across the Ashanti region. Some individuals are reporting long delays in receiving treatment due to not having a health insurance card. They disclose instances of lack of essential medication due to inadequate 
coverage of expenses. These required subscribers to purchase medicines that they expected should be covered under the scheme. Look at the number of drugs they have prescribed for me. Why would we be buying all sorts of drugs if it's working? They took 20 CDs before giving me a bed in the ward here in Kumasi South Hospital. Without receipt. But we have to pay a bribe of 100 Ghana cities before getting a bed. I have bought all sorts of drugs for 2,000 Ghana cities. For these aggrieved individuals, the struggle national health insurance scheme is not just a health administrative obstacle, but a point of evidence of poor health systems and the inflicting reality of the poor. This is Samuel Tay Wayu. The ones that are given free are not expensive, but the expensive ones I have to buy. This is my card, and I don't see any need. Anyway, According to the 2023 medicine list of the National Health Insurance, appraised by a specialist group, the currently reviewed medicines list contains a total of 548 formulations, childhood immunizations, tuberculosis, HIV-AIDS and mental health care are exempted from the scheme. The document disclosed that executive management of the NHIA has directed and approved a 20% increase in the prices of medicines as a stopgap measure to mitigate the recent increases in prices of medicines on the open market. A health official who pleaded anonymity explains the hospitals are compelled to top up prices of drugs and medical consumables due to price disparities in the open market price and the bench price covered by the NHIS. The situation seemingly grants profit-seeking hospitals a chance to charge patients more than required as top-ups. Insurance has its own pricing for each drug. If that is not the price that the hospital gets on the market, that means the patient has to pay for the extra amount. Because insurance price is usually so low that you go to the market for the um, equipment that you need for the procedure. And it will be way above the price that insurance is going to pay. So you have to add the difference for the patient to pay. Some, some hospitals actually add extra for profits. He further disclosed underfunding of several hospitals and bureaucratic hurdles of energy 
NHIS medicine administering guidelines are engulfing several facilities. You, you, when they list the drugs, it means you have to stick to what they've said. Insurance, will, sometimes they will reject it entirely and flag it as wrong so they won't pay because they have specific treatment guides that you have to follow if you go out of that. They have so many rules, so the hospitals would have to find ways and means to make up for all of that. Insurance is a stickler for rules. Efforts to reach the Ashanti Regional Health Insurance Office have proven unsuccessful. But health officials are proposing an increase in premium drugs covered by the NHIS. I believe funds to facilities should be released on time for them to be able to get the needed consumables forward. I also think that premium should be increased for um, especially those who can afford, those in the formal sector whose deductions are made straight from their SNIT contributions. Universal Health Coverage in Ghana says that all persons should and must receive timely access to health care. It is then apparent that a national entity such as the National Health Insurance accrues some attention to the struggling portions in order to improve service and ensure that we achieve the universal health coverage targets. Reporting for Joy News, my name is Clinton Yabwa. Back here in Accra, latest data from the 2023 annual household income and expenditure has revealed that 14.7% of people aged 15 to 35 were unemployed in the third quarter of 2023. The survey also revealed more than 400,000 people entered the labor force between the first and third quarters of 2023. However, more than 30% of people in that bracket remained unemployed, with over 60% of them gaining employment. Let's break the figures down further. And uh, on your screens, uh, you will see that the first uh, to third quarters of 2023, you will see how it has been. In 2022, it was 13.30%. It's been on an upward trajectory till, uh, uh, okay, 2022 quarter four, and then it came to 11.30%. Now, it went up in quarter one of 2023 stayed up there in quarter two of 2023 and still up there even though it's reduced from 14.60 percent it's still at 14.7 percent at quarter three of 2023 now uh, this is the breakdown. That's the average unemployment rate. So quarter one to quarter three of 2022 is stood at 13.63%. Quarter one to quarter three of 2023 is stood at 14.73%. The increment has been 1.10%. Now, this is the rates by sex, the unemployment rates by sex. Uh, and and this is how it's it's um, it shows on the on the scale. Uh, if you look at quarter one of 2022, you will see that um, the female uh, female unemployment went up to 15.90, whilst the uh, male unemployment was at 10.20 percent. Same. If you look at uh, 2022, uh, quarter two, um, female unemployment was up 15.20 against 12.40. Look at quarter three of 2022, female unemployment was still up 
it's only to quarter four of 2022 where it dropped to 12 from 16.0 to 12 to 3 uh, 12.30 percent for females but still was still higher than the male unemployment which is 10.10 percent and it's being on that trajectory uh in 2023 nothing has really changed you look at quarter one look at quarter two look at quarter three female unemployment so is up up there 18.20 percent for 2023 quarter one 17.50 it reduced slightly in quarter two now 17.7 percent in quarter three it's reduced slightly but male Unemployment stayed on the same level, 10.80 quarter one, 10.90 quarter two, 10.90 quarter three. So you can see that there hasn't been much improvement in the male unemployment. Uh, there's been slightly, some slight improvement in female unemployment. Let's look at the regional breakdown, uh, uh, 2023 quarter three. And you can see Greater Accra is on the high, 25.70. The lowest is Bono East, 4.60. That's the regional breakdown for you. You can get more of the details of that statistics on myjohnline.com. But we can now hear from the government statistician, Professor Sambalini. So in terms of what we've done, as I indicated, this is a quarterly panel survey. It's nationally representative, regionally representative, and also the representative for our urban rural classification. The basis, the sampling frame for the 10,800 that we got was from the 2021 population and housing census. Let's keep in mind, let's leave here with not the population of Ghana, which is in excess of 31 uh, million persons, but the population of only those 15 years and older, which is around 19 million. That is the denominator for the conversation. And also the reference period for this conversation is seven days preceding the day of the interview. So questions around unemployment, we asked, in the last seven days, did you work? So that is the reference period for the conversation. We have been successfully maintaining a good response rate across the last four quarters, that is from the last quarter of 2022 to the third quarter of 2023. We started replacement in the third quarter of 2023. That is why you see the number of households increasing between the second quarter of 2023 and the third quarter of 2023. So as I indicated, the findings are put into three broad categories. I'm going to start with the findings on the labor force um, characteristics. So the first thing we share with you is think about the constituents of the labor force status. We distinguish between the constituents of the labor force status and the labor force. The labor force, as we indicated, consists of the two of the statuses that is employed and unemployed. The labor force status consists of three categories, the employed, unemployed, and those outside the labor force, but 15 years and older. So across the last seven quarters, that is between the first quarter of 2022 and the 
third quarter of 2023, we see that we have reduce the persons outside the labor force from 4.95 million to 4.51 million persons. Because this is a set, once people are leaving the labor, are leaving outside the labor, are moving out of outside the labor force, they should find their way in either the employed employment status or the unemployment status. So the 440 persons that in the first three quarters of 2023 exited the outside the labor force, over 60% of them, precisely about 250,000 of them, went into the employed status and the remaining into the unemployed status. So from these three constraints point of view, we see a reduction in outside the labor force of persons approximately 440,000 persons. And because this is a set of three categories of people, you need to find where they are going to. Let's take a break on journeys. Death could be back with business. Hi, good morning. Welcome to business. My name is Daryl Kwao. Government is working to host all its external data locally. This is to reduce cost and promote growth in the digital space. Minister of Communications and Digitalization, Eslo Usokufu, made the disclosure to join business after addressing a workshop in Accra. The validation workshop by Smart Africa and the National Information Technology Agency, Nature, is aimed at getting stakeholders' input for the enhanced regulatory framework for cloud and data centers in Ghana. According to the Minister for Communications and Digitalization, Esla Ousu Ekufu, this framework will promote the country to become the preferred choice for hosting African data. She believes hosting a localized data center will support job creation in the digital space. One key thing that we want to promote with this is localization of the data in our country. We produce that data. It must be stored here. But we don't have anything against the Amazon cloud services and the big cloud service operators. It's fine. Let them come and build data centers here and host Africa's data on the continent because it's expensive and we're paying twice to host the data on other cloud services, pay for the management of that data and pay to retrieve it for our use. It doesn't make any sense. Director of Digital Infrastructure Skills and Empowerment at Smart Africa, Thelma Ifwakwe, is optimistic that having a harmonized regulation system for data and cloud will boost investor confidence on the continent. So that investors are able to take advantage of a 1.3 billion market rather than, uh, in the case of Ghana, a 30 million market. And so the workshop here today is to help Ghana uh, as one of the countries to create a regulation around data centers and cloud. That will help foster direct, uh, foreign direct investment, but also allow a thriving of the digital economy. It will also allow us and help us to be able to store data for Africa in Africa. Government is therefore embarking on skills training for young entrepreneurs to take advantage of the growing digital space. Now, Anglo Godashanti Obas Mine is prioritizing the safety and security of residents in its host communities after investing more than 2 million Ghana cities 
into the construction of a police divisional headquarters in Obwase. The mining company has handed over the modern police facility located in BDM to the Ghana Police Service to aid in reducing crime rates in Obwase. The project is part of other initiatives outlined under the company's 10-year plan to boost economic and social development in the mining hub of Ghana. Here's more in this report. has in the last decade recorded heightened incidents of crime and violence. The police area reports the numbers have in recent years seen a marginal dip. Strengthening the capacity of security institutions in Obwasi and surrounding communities, Anglo-Gordo Shanti Obwasi Mine has commissioned a new police divisional headquarters for the mining community. The facility, worth over 2 million Ghana cities, houses interrogation rooms, conference rooms, and other ancillary structures for improved security service delivery. Awi Free is Acting Managing Director of Anglo-Gordo Shanti Ghana Limited. Decision to provide an infrastructure to house the Ubasi District Police Headquarters was born out of the need identified through our regular strategic engagements with the security agencies. The infrastructure conducted, constructed through the contract of an Ubasi based construction company, Kenza. We are optimistic that it will undoubtedly provide a benefit office premise for the Wazi District Police Command and will ultimately not only enhance law enforcement efforts but also contribute to the overall well-being of our communities. Committed to revamping the once vibrant mining community, the project forms part of the mine's 10-year socio-economic development agenda beginning in 2022. Senior Manager of Community Relations for Africa at AGA, Emmanuel Bedu, elaborated the essentiality of security in fostering development. We believe that security, the safety and security of the people is critical for um, a sustainable peace, um, which is a critical ingredient for sustainable development as well. And Anglo Dashanti has demonstrated a huge commitment to the development um, of Obuasi. And we can never achieve sustainable development without investing in security. And so it is very well known that um, in the last couple of years, we have worked in close collaboration with the security agencies in Obuasi. Ashanti South Commander of the Ghana Police Service, ACP George Ankuma, admonished residents to report criminal activities to law enforcement agencies as he cautioned against taking the law into their own hands. This will go a long way to reduce crime, respond quickly to crime scenes, and will improve the security situations in the area. I want to assure management that so far as I remain, the Ashanti South Regional Commander, the police will use the burden for the purpose for which it was put up. Now the police are addressed by your doorsteps. You must live with them and accord them the necessary recognition, respect, and report all criminal cases to them for investigation instead of taking the law into your own hands. To complement the logistical support to safeguard residents, Anglo Gold has enrolled, has rolled out a community safety and security program which has contributed to road accident reductions in Obwasi. For Joy News, my name is Emmanuel Bright And that's it for this segment. The news returns after the break. <laughs>